Welcome to GWC podcast number 314, recorded March 2nd, 2012. In this episode, we continue our discussion of Mass Effect, pushing into the second game and continuing to analyze the characters and story. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Heston. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter. And Sean (laughs) O'Hara. I shall fart confusion. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you can introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Hello and welcome. Yeah. I'm doing my jazz hands. I saw that. You don't have the gloves, though. It's okay. What gloves? My I can get you gloves by 2 p.m. Well, we don't need gloves. <laughs> no, we you, don't. You want gloves? I, I, I could probably order you a couple of dozen gross again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who sent those? Uh, yeah. That was, um, that was uh, uh, the Milwaukee. They were all oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about we actually, a GWC. Oh, no, actually like white sent, gloves. Oh, yeah. white gloves. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, we got like uh, 50 of them or something. Yeah, like I don't that. know. But that was awesome. That's great. Can yeah, I can't remember. Say what? Is it a surprise? Who sent them? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we don't know who sent them. Oh, I thought it was Did Shooter. Oh, it must be. Was it? I thought he mentioned something about it. Oh, I did not know that. That yeah. bad influence. He's not, awesome. I'm not sure, but I think He's it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Every time I get a text from Shooter, I'm like, Shooter! <laughs> well, yeah, it was a definitely... few months back. We just randomly get this pouch of gloves. I mean, this bursting well, and... pouch with like 600 <laughs> pairs of gloves and variety like, It's like Sean says, too. Sizes. You know, we, we can't really like... It's not a. It's not necessarily out of the realm of of reality that we receive a lot of gloves. I mean, we had this thing we did. Yeah, yeah. The, the tool, tool companies. Oh, God, we still got some of them rolling around. No, it was awesome. They 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 meant to send uh, twelve gloves, twelve pairs, pairs and, of and gloves. And what they ended up was twelve boxes of twelve <laughs> pairs. So we got like one hundred and forty four pairs yeah, of gloves. One hundred and forty four gloves. And we call them and they're like, "Yeah, I don't care." Yeah, we we don't want them back. For <laughs> a year on the website, you're like, "We'll pick a random comment and please." Give you no, no, it was gloves. about two months. And then, <laughs> yeah. Please, and, and then that ran out. And then we started using them. If you ever see us doing anything crappy, we're wearing Milwaukee gloves. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, we got a bunch to do and a short time to do it in. Uh, so, you guys ready for some news? Me- 
And now... Galactic... Water cooler... News, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. I know Sean has a piece of news that he wants, because I like it too. I do. I do. nice piece of news. Nice piece of news. Season four of Archer. Archer! Has been greenlit... Awesome. And uh, looks like uh, they're doing, uh, uh, let's see here, the animated espionage series third season airing Thursdays at uh, 9 Central with the finale set for March 22nd, so we're almost out of New Archer, has been enjoying gains of 32% in total viewers and 44% in the 18 to 49 demo. Hey, I'm Uh, still in that demo. Compared to its sophomore (laughs) run. Uh, Fox, of course, eighteen to dead. Yeah, Fox, of course, being uh, only semi chode sometimes says it was a very easy decision uh, to pick up the next season of Archer. So uh, they are at least getting picked up for season uh, full season. Not Fox, FX, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, FX. FX. Yeah, yeah, FX. Very different. Thank God. It would have been already been canceled. If it yeah, was. no kidding. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, FX is, they're they're pu- picking it up uh, for a full fourth season, not like a half season or anything like that. Oh, that's great. Um, it's, they're, it's like without question. They're like, yeah, just, let's just do this. Hell yeah. I'm getting so, a big kick out of, out of season three. Oh my gosh. What'd you so think good. of the, what'd you think of, of the, uh, of, of the, his mom's episode? That was great. Uh, you know, I've always wanted them to develop a couple more characters. One is, is of course, Carol, who is my favorite out of all of them. Oh, yeah. But Did she go back to Carol? Pam is mine, I think. What yeah, you, whatever. I she, still she, think of her as Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, they, that's what they call her now. They call her oh, Carol. Okay. I know it keeps changing. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they keep calling her Carol. Or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, Pam is my favorite. Yeah. Pam is is. Did you guys see this to this yes, week's episode? I have. Where where I you find not. out? Oh yes, I have not. Pam is a world class lover. Oh yeah, and uh, she's like you know everybody's sex kryptonite. Uh, great. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean she she can turn you out. Uh, how do you how are you gonna keep them down on the farm when they see Pebby? <laughs> And then but, Archer's in the elevator. He's like, "You, you won't. You won't. You, you can't." Yeah. <laughs> she gets Archer addicted to to Pam Nookie. Yeah, uh, it's it's I, great. But I, the, the Mallory episode, I I think if they were all like that, it wouldn't do it for me. No, but I love to see Mallory's why Mallory continues to have that post. It's not because yeah. she just has more money. It's not because she has. Don't give it away. She <laughs> she really can't. It's publicly broadcast. All right, fine. <laughs> we fine. say in the beginning, <laughs> but no, she. You find out that she really is there for a reason. Yeah, she yeah. really can plan better than anybody else on the show. Oh yeah, scarily so. Yeah, and plus, I think it makes her not likable, which is great. <laughs> and and she was likable before, relatively compared to. I mean, I mean, come I on. I don't know. Maybe more than. I I, I don't def- know. Definitely, of course, the sacrificial lamb in that ep- in that episode is Krieger. Krieger gets more awesome every time I see him because you you know he starts out and he's just kind of wacky and kind of evil. And then you just you 
you find out that, that the more experiences he's doing, he's not actually that much weirder than everybody else. They just keep involving him and in all this their random crap. Oh, I don't know? know, man. In this last one, they prove that he is completely and utterly <laughs> messed up. I think he's maybe the weirdest. He is. They just don't. They show make him it clear off that much. In, yeah, in, yeah. In, in I don't, don't know. I think, I think if you weigh it all, yeah. he's he's probably about average <laughs> for that crew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Although I love that that uh, in this last episode, and this is just a minor minor spoiler that uh, uh, Carol finally finds a guy who can choke her more than she likes. Well, there was the choke robot. Yeah, and he quit that. I mean, that, that Krieger built for exactly, and that didn't. Which do is pretty enough. much the same sort of the thing. It just yeah. takes bionics. To, yeah, exactly to to get Carol properly. going. It was awesome. I love that she kicked through the windshield. That was really cool. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, yeah, Pam. I didn't really start off liking Pam. Oh man, Pam is awesome. But she's becoming one of the coolest characters on the show. I think it's hilarious oh, yeah. that she ends up being a world class lover, considering that like. They won't even let her use the bathroom. They actually uh, address that. They call, yeah. her, they call her in. They're like, what's it doing in here? <laughs> they, they didn't, like, someone gave away that uh, the women's restroom was over there, and they're like, why, why did you tell it that it was there? <laughs> you know what's so awesome, though? It, what makes her so awesome, I think, is the fact that she deals with all that. Yeah, I know. Like, she's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm awesome. Yeah. And yeah. she is. She's totally convinced. <laughs> and she is. And she That's is. It. You keep finding out she's here. Sorry about your homie. Oh, oh, me? Me? <laughs> I'm sorry. She's a one woman wrecking crew in any way, in any way you want to take it. It's just it, she's amazing. I thought Lana was going to be the badass. Uh-uh. Not even it's close. Pam. She's it's like totally she's like fourth. I mean, Mallory yeah. comes in front of <laughs> in front of Lana. You know, Lana has a conscience. You yeah, know? Exactly. Mallory, not so much. Mallory, not so much. Pam, if it amuses her, you know, Cheryl, just because she thinks she might get like choking sex out of it. And then comes Lana. You know, I mean, Pam is actually relatively normal compared to the rest of them. Yeah. She yeah. just also she just is, has uh, all these extraordinary skills. side skills. She's <laughs> she's a drifter. Yeah, she's literally she's a world class lover. She she's. <laughs> She's a fight club champion. Fight club champion. I mean, seriously? How yeah. many more cool ass things can Pam do? Pam is the greatest character on that show. That's all there is. Yeah, she's I pretty mean, cool. It should be called Pam. She's not, not my Archer. favorite, but it should she be is called Pam. Yeah, she's not my favorite, but she is probably the coolest. I was at the giant used bookstore uh, yesterday, and I was looking for uh, books on like comedy, talking about performing comedy, and then I came across. Um, Aisha Tyler's book from a couple years ago. It's like a, just a, you know, stand up book of pamphlets. But that show is like so addictive. Every time I see something even related to it, I'm like, oh, I got to get this, you know. And yeah, Audra bought me the uh, the how to Archer book, which is yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty new. It was just released on Amazon. It's great. It's it's kind of like the uh, uh, the the one they released from uh, Gene Hunt's perspective from uh yeah it's like know, written by Archer, which is pretty funny it is and it's supposedly written by by sterling, sterling archer. archer so so the whole thing is like chock full of just complete nutty crap you know in in the What's most the subtitle in, of the book again it's like it's like the ultimate guide to espionage and style and women and also cocktails ever written yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um ever I'm, I'm trying to think of one there was uh there, there was one section in here that was just that, that really explained it. And I should have had this prepared ahead of time, but no, no, that's that's cool. I just thought it, it was cool to mention that it's out there. Yeah, it's it's uh, he divides his women section into amateurs and professionals. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> 
and Pam. He's going to need a whole new section on Pam. <laughs> his personal finance. Yeah, I know that this was released before that. His personal finance section is is pretty much all about how he just has a lot of cash and and you know. It'd be funny if there was a section on uh, how to do business at the Chinese restaurant. You know, there's a food section actually, <laughs> and it includes one recipe: eggs Woodhouse. and it is it's pretty awful um (laughs) it's like eggs with uh with uh cream spinach and bechamel sauce oh and 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 uh but but what's great is uh it it's like there's there's only one and and his his explanation is pretty much like uh yeah, see, on a page all by itself, it says, that's the only recipe. Like I said, I normally eat out. And then there's a little number 93 footnote on it. There are a lot of footnotes. And down at the bottom, it says, plus, this isn't a cookbook. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, check out Archer. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh couple other little pieces. Did you have something on Oh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, I know people have been talking about it like kind of over the last week. Uh, the new Avengers trailer. Oh, yeah. Well, looks awesome. Crazy awesome. <clears throat> oh, and, yeah. And since it's so awesome, I'm going to have to like throw a, a wrench into the system and just say that it doesn't look to me like Black Widow is really doing much in that uh, in that trailer. And I'm not I'm not making any broader statements about women or anything. I'm just saying, you, like, you as a character, like, every, much, everyone's doing something awesome except her. Are you recalling how much you bid it after, uh, uh, after the Iron Man trailer? Yes, Is I that know. What it glorifies I know. war. I can't believe you guys are excited about this. You know, uh, it's, they're, they're just playing all that rock music. Yes, I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> so I, 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 you. I, I'm I just like, I don't need to relive it. <laughs> I think it was written about him, but uh, <laughs> no, no, but Audra does have a funny point. We're watching the trailer, which was just so incredibly oh, yeah. dripping it's with like, awesome. I don't know. So they have this scene having- where each person is like giving their little, you know, the one where they're like, they, they finally end up standing back to back. Yeah. You know? At the end, you see all of them standing the in a like battle stance. Them, you remember you know, that? Yeah. And there's this great one where you see like Hulk like smash and you see Iron Man like, you know, with his rockets and his stuff. And you see, you see Thor like, you know, the hammer you know, like rippling uh, across you know. the, the and land. Then she, and she like Black Widow pulls a gun. <laughs> <laughs> she, just, like, she just like pulls out a little Brought pistol. Brought a gun to like, a god fight, like, didn't you? Know, exactly. <laughs> like, she's like, really? she's like, chick, chick. And you're like, really? <laughs> what the hell are you going to do I'm with like, that? No, but wait, she's really conniving too. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, totally, I mean, she's everyone, witty and like, smart. Look at my, you know, 36 inch forearms. Look at my giant hammer. Look at my tits. I mean, pistol. <laughs> <laughs> really? What, what are you gonna do? Look at these guns! You know? Yeah, yeah I, it was pretty funny. I have to admit, we we watched it. Like, you realize you're four feet from a Hulk, right? Yeah. What the hell are you gonna do with that? Well, maybe See, I yeah, missed maybe it. That's but the it, point. I mean, maybe I missed it and just like you know, closed my eyes at the wrong time or something. But I didn't see her do anything really in that trailer except. Like, talk to people. Sorry, it can't be any worse than Hawkeye. He's got archery equipment. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's anything less useful than a gun against a Hulk. It's an archery. Oh, but think about Aquaman it. sucks. Don't have to be Aquaman. Oh, hey, uh, not, to, not to move off this news item, but the, one of the other things I wanted to mention, did you see Leonard Scooter, Nimoy? Scooter is the Aquaman of the Muppet Babies. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that Leonard Nimoy is going to make an appearance on, uh, on Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and and what's funny is is this is of course in his retirement. 
Yeah. Right. I'm making finger quotes where, yeah. you know, he's not, he, he's like, I am now officially like he did before, right? Yeah. yeah. I am retired. I should, but they yeah, found like some share. loophole. Yeah. Where he's, he's going to It's do his this. farewell tour. I love that Sheldon already has some of Spock's DNA. Yeah. I have sort of letter D boys DNA. Maybe that's the loophole is that oh, they're yeah. going to, they're going to, he's going to be a clone. Yeah. He'll be like a clone in his it's dream not, or something really like him. that. It's not really it's him. Cl- yeah. It'll be like, like oh, the Starbuck appearance. And, yes. Yeah. And, oh my God. That and was it awesome. was a Starbuck appearance because it wasn't, it wasn't George was Oh, George Takai and Starbuck in the same thing. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm not self consciously dreamy. Well, obviously, you are. Maybe you're more into him. You know, oh my! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, they were great. Great appearances. Oh, uh, exactly. Why are you dreaming of me in my flight suit? <laughs> She's like giving him crap yeah, about in his own dream. That never happens totally to be <laughs> only only Howard, you know. Indeed, indeed. It's like in uh, that Red Dwarf episode, Better Than Life. Oh yeah, you can have anything you want, and all you have to do is imagine it. Arnold Rimmer, what he imagines. Rimmer is so like neurotic that he imagines. Like, hooking up with this chick that he wants to hook up with and then instantly and then suddenly having they have like 17 kids, kids and, and she's like you know whining and nagging him and all <laughs> never the kids happens are screaming in my dream. Awesome. <laughs> never but it, it totally explains rimmer you know oh yeah i mean yeah. that's that's rimmer he that's why he's so messed up is because that's what he thinks all the time you know? <laughs> and then, like he has this opportunity Sounds to like have me. this glorious fantasy on the beach and stuff and then suddenly he's buried up to his neck in the sand and his face is covered with strawberry jam and there are ants crawling all over it <laughs> He's like, my brain, my diseased brain just keeps coming up with this stuff. I think, I think the trick with the Avengers is if you didn't get at least one movie of your own beforehand, you're going to be a secondary character in the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Right, right. It could you know, be. There wasn't a Black Widow movie, nor was there a Hawkeye movie. Well, ever. I know. Nate, so, I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth, but Black Widow strikes me as just a tiny bit lame so far i mean i know that she can compared do compared cool to the rest of the avengers who the hell is it okay well <laughs> I let's mean, see we have like a who's who of, <laughs> of the marvel universe i mean she okay. can't do anything that trinity and the matrix can't do i don't know i don't know i actually know dick all about about yeah her I, as a I don't character. i don't know anything either now, i just we might as well go ahead and mention that uh after the meetup we're coming in with an arc uh there might be something in the middle but we have an uh we have an avengers arc a big massive avengers arc leading up to the movie a hulk sized oh yes indeed <laughs> yeah i still exactly need to see that so. i have not seen uh mark ruffalo's hulk uh that's the one with edward norton right Oh, oh no! I guess it's Edward Norton's Hulk, right? Mark Ruffalo takes over in the in the new in movie, the Avengers, but not before right. that. No, okay. Yeah, the right. latest Hulk yeah, movie right. is Edward Norton. Yeah, you're right. And that that's the one I want to see. Yeah. God, you know what's that's great? the one to see. What's great about that trailer is not as much the action, which is saying something, because the action is great in that trailer. What's great in that trailer are the interactions between them. Yeah. Like every time they show us the tiniest clip of the superheroes interacting with each other. That's what makes me want to see the movie yeah. like instantly. Like, like I want to see, see it Tony now. Stark, you know, talking yeah. about himself and and Thor just going hey, billionaire hey, philanthropist, hey. billionaire playboy, inventor philanthropist. You know, yeah, whatever. that was from the the other trailer. And this one, he said something different. Like he he did a callback to it. Like, what was that you said about me? I'm this and this and. But the the the, the obvious Tony Stark line yeah. from this one is bringing the party to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that's awesome. I still think my favorite one is like we have an army of the we have a Hulk. 
<laughs> we have a Hulk. <laughs> we have a Marklar. And that's enough. You know, it's like, we have a Hulk. <laughs> it negates your entire army. It's like, bye. <laughs> you guys suck. You got an army? <laughs> it's kind of like in Halo, you know, when you get Master Chief. Yeah, we got a Spartan. We're good. <laughs> we got a Spartan. We don't need an army. I asked an army. for an army, and I got you. Yeah, remember one Spartan, one Halo, yeah. one universe? Yeah. We're good, you we're, know? We're <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what you got? I guarantee you it's not enough. But nobody voices that like Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, it's just matter of fact. Like, he, A, he deals with this crap every day. And B, it doesn't matter to him because... He's he's got a Hulk. <laughs> you know what's awesome is that these characters are so bombastic, and they can take the best parts of them out of the movies and just like, you know, I can't hear the a- word bombastic without hearing Shaggy singing it. <laughs> they call me Mister Bombastic. I almost did it. I was like, boom, boom, bombastic. They call me Mister. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't help it. It's <laughs> true though. I mean, and and all you have to do is just take the tiniest, the best slice, you know, out of all the millions of awesome things they could say, and then just take the best of each one of them, and then cram it all together in this like. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's what uh, was always cool about Avengers yes. is because they were they were themselves. It wasn't like this this uh, homogenized group anymore that that has to uh, unite to in order to be effective. All of these characters are effective on their own. When you combine them, except Black Widow. I, I don't know that. You gotta I, watch I, I, it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, Hawkeye ain't doing much for us either, and he's one of my favorites because he's an archer. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, wow! I just That's don't know how you can these groups. But so it's, it's like Justice League, you know. Yeah, you bring them together. You bring them together, and they become so much more powerful than the sum of their parts. It's ridiculous and, and entertaining. Yeah, and entertaining. <laughs> that was always the thing, you know. You want to see them interact. Oh, yeah. and you want to see them because it solves a lot of those issues, you know. Like uh, before this kind of thing, if if you didn't really see it, you you'd be a fan of one character. It'd be like like I was always a fan of the Hulk. You know, it's sort of like, you know, Chuck's Princess Leia or something like that. The Hulk beats everything as far as I'm yeah. concerned. You can't defeat I the Hulk. I just didn't have anything else, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's that's cool what I'm saying. It was cool, though. I mean, that's what you were about. I it, was always the Hulk. It's kind of like X-Men, though. Like in, in X-Men, there have got to be a couple X-Men who are kind of lame, like Angel. You're just like, what? <laughs> really? That's what you do? That's just that is. Why don't you just <laughs> grow really long nails and scrape them on a chalkboard? Yeah. Oh, that's way better than you screaming really loud. Oh, Banshee's cool. Well, I like Banshee, but Banshee has a lot of like heart, you know, and he can do cool stuff with his. And in the, I mean, you know, it's not as, at least in the, it's not as cool as like Wolverine. But the cartoon, he was he was Irish, and it was like the Irish Angel. guy was good at screaming at people, and I, I, I thought that was kind of funny. I would like to go on record again as I didn't realize this until I didn't know a lot about Batman or anything at all, really. I mean, I knew what you got from watching the movies, which up until that point wasn't a lot, right? And then talking with Bob Greenberg, he was the one who came along and was like... Mythos of Batman is huge. Yeah, you got to understand, you know, and then I read his book and everything. I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah. Batman's Batman's strength is not his gear. It's not his strength. It's not even his training the way they... the way It's not even what they show in the Dark Knight movies, you know, which is closer. His real strength is his planning. Yeah. Batman has outthought you. Batman won the battle before he ever showed up, you know, because it was it's loaded so heavily in his favor because he's outplanned you that it could go 17 different ways and all of them are good for him. Can you imagine playing chess against Batman? That's it. And I have which the only character who's ever done that is Bane. Bane played chess against Batman? You know, well, effectively, Effectively, yeah, Yeah. which is which is coming up in. Yeah. 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 But 
I want. I, I'd like to go uh, on record again as saying that I think that Tony Stark is essentially Marvel's Batman. He's the guy who his biggest strength is beside you know he's is his brilliance, the ability to to plan and to and to come up with creative solution. Not not the same way. It's like he's not he's no, not a plan ahead guy, but he can come up with cre- creative, spot, creative spark. solutions yeah, that yeah. nobody else very does. quickly, and he can make connections that you won't make. He will have outthought you, but he will have done it with a martini in his hand in fifteen <laughs> seconds. He'll dick around until the last second. Yeah, he is just that smart. Tony Snark. Tony Stark is smarter than Batman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but Batman is organized, right? Batman has more planning. Yeah. than Stark. But they and serve the same kind of role. Like Batman if you, gets a lot less women than Stark. Yeah, no kidding. Lame. But yeah. you know, well, there's the whole. Nipples, I guess it just doesn't. There's the whole do Batman it. is impotent argument too. You know? Oh yeah, there's that. You know, I but but I guess what I'm saying is like I, they fill the same role. You know, because in, in, in Justice League, Batman has always been the brains of the of the of the thing. He does the planning. <clears throat> and I think I think in Marvel, for very much so, uh, Iron Man is. And I know a lot of people who have who have just seen the movies are going to say that's not true because they really portray, you know, Fury as like, you know, the man. Well, and yeah, he is. And he is. But and you got to have somebody that keeps Tony on task. I mean, Pepper Potts is a brilliant and awesome character and she can barely keep tony contained but see in 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 the comics anyway relatively recently you know in the last five six what eight years or whatever uh you know tony has been in charge of shield yeah for for some time the director of shield right the whole series is named tony stark director of shield right and and i think during that period i mean it doesn't always go well because let's <laughs> face it it's he's tony, tony stark, stark yeah. you know things are going to work out tony maybe, stark yeah. maybe not the way you wanted them to <laughs> yeah <laughs> The world will be saved, sort of, <laughs> ish. As long as there's liquor, <laughs> yeah. Until they run out, <laughs> you run out, of, you run out of booze, and it's gonna, you're going to notice productivity on the Stark front go down in a sharp decline. But anyway, I just thought you know it's an interesting comparison, and I love the fact that in the he's the sort of the voice of the Avengers, and you see you see that in the in the movie, uh, at least he's the one that has that crack that brings it all together in the trailers all the time. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the the comedic line that you know. Well, if you're looking for witty repartee, sure as hell ain't going to be the Hulk. That's that's for sure. Sorry, my brain went in the other direction. Tony like, smash. He, has, <laughs> he has that crack that does, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that sounds smutty even to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we are back with more Mass Effect. That was so much fun last week. We yeah. didn't get near as far into it as we intended, but had a great time talking about it. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing this week. Uh, one? Yeah. Wow, I nice. did. I went back and played one. How's the play field? Just, I hate to get into that you too much. You know what? It's still great. Yeah? It really is. And, and it may be just because I love it so much, but I, I don't really think it is. It is a lot more, like the, the feel of it is more chill and a little more... Uh, uh, I guess um, clunky is the wrong word, but uh, less smooth than two. Like two, they they smooth stuff out a lot. It's a little faster. Are you talking about um, the the actual motion? Yeah, the, the actual play and the the way it feels like when you're playing it and stuff. Like the the physics of it and stuff. Well, the physics and the mood. Okay. I guess oh, really. Oh, the mood. Okay. Uh, the there's I mean yeah it's a little slower. 
the music's more chill. The lights are more blue. Uh, there's it's just a little more laid back than the second one. The second one they they uh, incorporate uh, panic and drive and a little bit more action and stuff by lighting it and yeah. pacing the music faster. And it feels like uh, to me like there's more plot. Um, pushing forward plot in the second one too. Yeah, they really do a great job and and this is one of the the best games out there I've found for uh for this. They really do a great job of setting the universe up in the first one correctly. Uh so that you get to experience a lot of it and understand why things are are like they are. Now you can play through in a in a hardcore play and not really get a lot of that, I think you're handicapping yourself. And if you start at two, and, and a lot of people ask this on the, the forum here uh, uh, this last week, uh, is it better if I'm going to start Mass Effect to start from one or two? And for me, I think you cut yourself off at the knees starting at two because there's so much story that you miss. Yeah, I think if you yeah, if the story one. is important and if you enjoy these kind of games because of the long uh the depth of the characters and the depth of the the plot of the overall thing, I mean, sure. then yeah, you should start with one. Um but if you're more of a, you know, I I just I kind of want to have a a sci-fi experience and you know, I mean, I think that there are some people who would be okay starting with two. Yeah, for me, and it may be because I've seen all the story and there's just so much of it there that that I would miss uh, all of that. Uh, I would I start from one. And one is still very playable and, and fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I will admit that I started playing it this week uh, just because uh, I think it was Wing and, and DP were, were all like, oh, no, you're totally wrong on that. They had nothing to do with Mars. It was all out on Pluto for the Mass Effect Relay. And, of course, I started it up in the first three minutes. There's a big black screen with big white letters that said, you know, excavations on Mars, you know, led to the discovery of the Mass. I'm like, well, there it is. Yeah, know. but, you know, you'd have to read to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the expanded universe and stuff, they tell you, and I think further games and, and all that stuff, they I tell you I read one of the novels, yeah. and I couldn't get through the second one. Yeah, the, the novels are pretty terrible. Um, Story's but, fun, but the, you're right. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff, and there's some comics and stuff out there, but uh, yeah, the the... You know, you can look for that. But anyway, the very first shot of the game, and I felt vindicated. I'm like, it says right there, you know, excavations on Mars led to... Did you tweet open. a picture of it? No, I should have, have, but I didn't I want to be that big a dick, you know. I would. Uh, I'd so totally I'll just be throw them under the dick. bus here, and that's fine. I'll, I'll move on after that. There's way, way fewer people thump, will thump. hear that here than <laughs> you know. on your on your Twitter stream. <laughs> <laughs> dunk, dunk. Dunk, dunk. <laughs> dunk, dunk. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to walk through the characters because I think that's. I, I think I buy into the characters more in this game than in almost any other. Well, life. they're more important here than than many other games uh, as well. So I mean, there's there's a lot of them to do. Where you want to start? Well, uh, I don't know. Let's just uh, let's just start walking through them. I, I think the first two that get introduced in uh, the first game are Ashley and Caden. Mm-hmm. Well, the first two on your team. Actually, you know? the first two on your actually, team, right. What's his name? Right. Yeah. What's the guy? Williams. Williams, yeah, sorry. Williams, yeah. He's, Sir he's, not appearing in this yeah. game. <laughs> you get it. And it's funny because you can go and, and uh, like, if you're not paying attention, if you don't hit it right right before the, the meeting where you get sent out, mm -hmm. you never talk to Williams ever. He just dies. And then for the rest of the game, everybody's like, I know you're upset about Williams. And you're like, you're who, like the who the hell is Williams? Who the hell is Williams? 
Because <laughs> <laughs> Williams, like, wow, Williams. Okay, cool. The, the very, first guy I met. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, I awesome. am upset about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too bad for him. You know, I'm going to get a bottle of champagne sent to my quarters in some time, you know, just to chill out about this. <laughs> uh, I'm upset about Williams. Go, <laughs> yeah. go do that. Go do that. Yeah, you go take care of that. Yeah. But there's there's this, uh, the first bitch you get sent out on, you get sent out uh, from the ship. It's you, Shepard, and Caden Alenko, who is uh, another biotic, and Williams. And five <laughs> minutes. I always say Caden Roshenko. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you meet you you meet some annoying little Klingon. You meet <laughs> Ashley like uh, a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, in the first Very mission, shortly. yeah, you, yeah. you Williams gets killed, and there's nothing you can do to stop that because you're making room. It's sort of like uh, Dances with Wolves, you know. He went away armor. so that you could come in, you know. But Williams dies so that you can meet Ashley, right? right. And uh, so yeah. you you meet Ashley. Hodger's <laughs> like that wasn't a good trade. I miss <laughs> Williams already. But uh, <laughs> if Ashley wasn't racist. I wouldn't mind Ashley. She would be okay. Yeah, so so Ashley is a combat specialist. She is the yeah, she is the soldier prototype essentially. Yeah, Caden is an electronics expert and a biotic guy and mostly a biotic Which, guy. Which what does that make him? That makes him a Sentinel? Uh, yeah. Or an infiltrator. Yeah, he's well infiltrator. he's got like yeah. he's got some genetic gifts that make him just you right, know, and, and he's and he got had this the, unusual upbringing because of his biotics. Well, he right? he got to sent to and and got an L two install, which was the biotic amp that that gives him problems and stuff and headaches and everything like that. But he's a biotic, basically. He's not a full biotic like Liara, but we'll get to her in a minute. Uh, the, so you wind up rolling with Ashley, who's just basically a combat soldier, a very good one. Yeah, just a human. Right, straight up human combat awesome soldier who combat. is no real just to it. She's a she's a badass. Yeah, she is a badass. If you have Ashley on your squad, things are going to be okay in a firefight. Yeah, I period. think I mentioned before. Period. You know, we talk about you can, and we'll talk about this later in this podcast. But you can have romantic relations with some of, with some of the characters. Ashley is one of the ones that's available for that. Uh, I had I had aligned myself with Ashley, and once we had uh, had kind of sort of were 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 uh, I don't know exclusive with each other, I guess you could say. But before we hooked up, there was this spot where you know she tends to defend you, the person that will will. The AI changes a little when you do that, which I thought was a really cool kind right. of way of dealing with things. And there was a situation where we were in one of the uh, standard, you know, bad guy hideouts. He was going to get Rex's armor in that that Merc oh, hideout. You're so right, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember the big building and everything. And it's a hard battle. Was there? Yeah, yeah. And normally, yeah, it's a pretty rough situation. And and worse yet, you open the door and you walk in, and it happens. Yeah, it's they do that to you every now and then. Yeah, there's just, it's not like know? there's not cover in front of you. They're right there. Yeah. So I open the door and and it's supposed to go down and this guy's supposed to shoot at me and the dialogue kind of depends on that. Right. And uh, what happens is, is the guy moves, Ashley steps kind of halfway in front of me before I can even react. And before I can tell what's going on, the guy who was going to who was in the process of shooting at me was not just on fire. She had a she had an assault <laughs> rifle with, uh, with incendiary. incendiary. Yeah. So not only he wasn't just on fire, he he was on fire and he exploded and bounced off the ceiling. Yeah. She popped like, him to stop him, and then she she and it was great. It was clear as day. Firing <laughs> went down into the left, popped a fusion canister that was sitting right by his knees, exploded him, went back up while he was still in the air, kept firing until she pushed him with incendiary rounds over a box. Yeah. 
so essentially the door opens this guy <laughs> the door takes opens, one shot at me and it's like you're like what happened that guy bounces off the ceiling and is behind a box yeah which kind of screwed with the dialogue actually just assassinated him i'm like yeah so so whether you like she is questionable. your character's like stay low there might be enemies <laughs> <laughs> ashley's through the door killed the first guy <laughs> the other's like whoa whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and everybody starts diving for cover and ashley starts assassinating more people and from there on I mean, this, yeah this is before we really started talking to ashley and figuring out how racist she was we're like ashley is coming yeah. on every mission everywhere so yeah. when you're when you're out on missions you can have some limited options to talk to your team but generally they'll say one of like two or three things that are very mission related or or they'll just make a general comment about the what they see you know like it looks clear i think we can move ahead and they all have different personalities right right but 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 you're not really going to have a deep conversation when you're out on a mission so in order to talk to them and get to know them as people you have to be back on the normandy and uh, usually each one of these team members has kind of a place on the Normandy that they, a station where they're working and Ashley's down in the armory. Um, and you can go down there and choose to talk to her and then use the the dialogue wheel to inquire about various things. And she'll tell you about her family. And um, I'm trying to remember what the deal was. I, her with father, her sister and everything. Well, her sister was really cool and actually cooler than Ashley. And her sister had some boy problems and everything and like totally manhandled her boyfriend trying to, <laughs> to take advantage of her and actually let her do it so that she could, you know, stand on her own feet and be who she was. And she totally took care of herself. But her grandfather, I think her father or grandfather had, uh, had some problems and, uh, was basically, uh, uh, disgraced uh, from the military service because he made some bad battle decisions and he surrendered when he people thought he shouldn't have and, and everything like that. And uh, because of that, because he was fighting, I think, the Turians at the time, uh, Ashley is extremely racist yeah. to aliens. And when we say racist, we mean for real racist. Yeah, not, not, not like colors of skin i mean come yeah, a like different species Turians. yeah Turians. Right. yeah, she, we, yeah anything literal alien non-human yeah animals. anything non-human she is she is not down she with does not her. like them you uh, can make her kind of deal with it but uh, i do i i for especially in this game i had no because audra because we you and i had always taken ashley on battles and really i'm oh, talking yeah. talk to her that much right. you know so she was she's she's great in a firefight I, I felt like I totally rained on the parade, you know, because I, I, my well, character. You've been crapping on Ashley for years. <laughs> I know, and my, my character was, uh, you, you know, romantically involved with Caden, and I brought Ashley along, but I, I tended to bring Caden along more to act as a biotic in, in place of Ashley. And then when I started talking to Ashley, I was like, I knew I didn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, told you that bitch crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, as uh, you know, when we get to Liara, we'll talk about my stupidity in choosing my team. Yeah. So well, we'll get there. Uh, and so it does turn out that Ashley is very racist. And I, because I love the other characters. Yeah. Especially it, after two. Especially after two. She is so not in the right place about this. And she is so racist that she lets it clouds her judgment. And these are people who are doing nothing but trying to help the situation. She has it is based entirely on prejudice. And that's, that's where it becomes a real problem. I mean, it's, it's annoying that she has racist ideas, but when it starts, you know, affecting your team and affecting your missions and stuff where, you know, she, you make life or death decisions 
And if you really believe that human beings are superior in every way, yeah, she'll. Then you're, her vote is always to uh, save the human, save the humans, and that's just wrong. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just wrong on every level, especially when these people are out there putting their ass on the line for her as well. Uh, no, uh, but Caden's actually pretty cool. We talked a little bit about Caden. Uh, he's he's biotic. He he grew up rough. Uh, he had some problems. He's, he's had some biotic problems and had some control problems, uh, as well as given, you know, that come along with giving a young man that kind of power. And yeah. then the person who was training him was a psychopath and was trying to make them into human weapons at the age of 13, 14. And it finally bit him. Uh, the guy overstepped his bound, the trainer for them overstepped his bounds and basically hurt a, girl who Caden was cool with in the same program and Caden turned him into a vegetable uh, because of it. You know, he had the power to do it. Uh, he noticed something was wrong. And when you're that small and young, you don't really understand the, you have the powers it out is of an adult, your, but you yeah. don't really understand the control. And Caden wound up. That, that's like that in real life. I mean, yeah. even if you take the biotics out of it, when you're, a teenager, a lot Absolutely. of times you're going to yeah. be the size almost of an adult. You have the strength of one. But you're only two years away from being 12 in your head, you know? Yeah, and people are pretty fragile when it comes down to it. And you can you can permanently hurt somebody pretty easily, actually. It's not that hard. And uh, Caden wound up just demolishing this dude. And he feels bad about it. And it's, it's one of those, he has a great deal of control and a great deal of, um, I guess, wariness Rightly so. You know, he understands that he's powerful and he, he uh, has control issues with other people. He thinks people should be a lot more controlled than they are. And and Shepard's crew is pretty wild and woolly. I mean, they these are this is a rough and tumble bunch of, you know, group of guys. And it makes Caden nervous because there's a lot of power rolling around and he he's worried somebody's going to get hurt that shouldn't. So, I mean, that's kind of where Caden's always coming from. You know, it's it's worth it's worth mentioning that, you know, the tie in here. I actually know over here a little about Caden. Which is awful. Because, you didn't take him with you a lot. You no, know, he was my character's partner, and they don't give him as much backstory. Oh, they as give I him tons liked. of backstory. Well, here's oh, the really? thing: didn't. Yeah. I didn't see any of it because I never brought him on my team, and then I left him. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the <laughs> you left him on Vermeer, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the did you save Ashley? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's before you knew. No. It's before you knew. I wouldn't now. But but yeah, one of the big fork decisions that you can make. We talked last week about how they kind of multiply those and everything. But one of the one of the big decisions you can make is that uh, there's a situation on Vermeer where uh, you have to lose. Yeah, somebody. you have to choose one. That and that's you why. Will lose. Yeah, and knowing that you have to be prepared in a lot of ways before you get to that level. Yeah, well, and there's another one that that we'll talk about as well. There's another big fork, Ver, Ver, Vermeer, Vermeer. I've never heard. I call it Vermeer. Yeah, Vermeer. We'll just we'll just choose that. I think uh, there are two big fork decisions that occur there all at once, and uh, and this is one of them. So the bad news is, is I didn't take him on my team, and I didn't, uh, uh, and and I let him die at, at I chose him at at. at so you didn't really get to know him. I didn't really know him that well. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I was thinking as we were talking here, I feel he, like he's Williams plus. <laughs> <laughs> he is in my game. He in was, your game, he was with, with the first run through on Rebo. He was Williams plus, you know, you what's really even know worse is that, you know, if you do save Ashley, you know what she, you know what happens? She shows up in mass effect two, which we'll talk about. I'm yeah, sure whoever you save shows up yeah. briefly. Yeah. And, and they're a total 2. dick to you in, 
into it was nice it was helpful because i had of course once once i heard about miranda um that was all bets are off no that was done i was i was gonna hook up with miranda no matter what whatever she it was. takes yeah. yeah he's talking about in the second game yeah because miranda in the second game is voiced and, and modeled appears, after yeah. exactly physically uh yvonne strahovski right so i was like yeah that's gonna happen and so closest like, I'm that's my girl to her, yeah. so i might it's as well ashley. you know try it you know? ashley who but uh, but it did it plus racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Plus, I wasn't a fan, you know, after our discussion. So so but I felt kind of bad because I was like, man, I'm just ditching her, you know, and then she shows up and was such a douche that I was like, wow. I mean, she was a dick to me and she was racist all at once. And I'm, I'm like, glad I was cheating on you with Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, rolling into uh, some of the other characters here. Uh, Garrus. Garrus. Uh, you meet Garrus. Now, Garrus uh, was a slow burn for me. This is the one oh, I felt bad about. he's awesome. He is a Turian, right? Uh, Garrus is a Turian. He he starts off, you meet him in the first game very early as a CSEC operator or yep. a CSEC officer. And uh, he's actually CSEC investigator, uh-huh. which is a step over officer. And uh, he's investigating Saren. And they CSEC is doing it by the book because he's a specter and they respect specters and they respect oh, her and everything well. like that. And Garrus is like, look, this guy is dirty. I I can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's dirty, but I'm telling you this dude's dirty and they don't do anything about it. And it just disgusts Garrus. And and real quick, a CSEC is kind of, it's the, the military. Uh, yeah, the, the Citadel security. Cops. Yeah, yeah Citadel security, right? Yeah, um, they are basically the effective police force for the Citadel, which is the largest uh, space station slash city that they have. Uh, it's not a planet. I would say they're good guys. I mean, they are good guys. They're they're goodish. They're trying. Yeah, they're yeah. they're really they trying. Do the right thing. They, they do they it by the book. They limits. have they're constrained by both the council and city rules, and they have to be. They have to walk the line. They are right. the thin blue line right. of of the citadel. But they're not like uh, messed up or corrupt. In oh any yeah, big no, ways. they are corrupt. No, they're pretty corrupt. Pretty there's, bad. There's yeah. corrupt yeah. that runs rampant. You find in the first game it's not Garris's so much problem. Yeah, in the first game they're not so much, but in the second game you really find out how oh, much okay. how dirty they are. There's Garris, a lot of dirty I'm, cops. I'm still in the- Garrus is actually the most kind of like straight arrow of the bunch. It's this is where you get the the renegade versus evil. He's not evil. He is renegade. Yeah, he is renegade. Yeah. He's he is willing to go outside of any rules you put in front of him if it's the right thing to do. And by right thing, I mean the the good guys benefit from it. And and if you leave him on his own, he'll go a little too far with that. But if you, as a character, choose to put your attention on him and try to help him... He will walk the line. And not just that, he becomes an utter badass. Yeah. I was... This is my my uh, walk of shame, uh, is the Garrus. Uh, Garrus... Uh. I didn't really develop him very much. And then uh, in Mass Effect 2, you saw what he could be. Oh, right. Amazing, and I was like, yeah. holy crap. I'm going back this time, and Garrus is coming with me all the time. You know, it's Garrus and Liara. But uh, <laughs> Garrus is, his uh, his big thing, like we said, is is he really tries to, to make things happen and get the right thing going down. He will go outside of any bounds and rules to do it. Very useful guy to have with you. He's a tech dude, and he's pretty cool. I didn't realize how cool until I started going back. Personality through it. that shows up. A lot of personality. Oh, yeah. Two, he is. I I would be willing to bet or willing to argue that he is the coolest character in two. He's one of you. Meet him in two, and the way you meet him in two. Since we're mixed here, we can talk about these in this episode. Um, you know the way you meet him 
is that this you, you go out and and you end up looking for this this mythical guy who is this oh yeah has this huge army that's that's, that's archangel yeah then yeah, there are like all these mercs that are down. just terrified of him and he, keep trying to destroy him two and, or no th- two or three entire mercenary groups organizations who are on the same station as him and trying like to kill him. men at him just yeah, like, no like one suicide squads you don't know it's him and then you get hired to go and you go show up and it turns out it's him with a sniper rifle and you're supposed to be him. killing him and then you, you see him and you're, you're like, like yes! <laughs> buddy <laughs> and, and hey who are we killing Garrett? just tell us what's up you know and it's just him literally he's like yeah i had some guys but uh you know but they didn't make it and i'm gonna take it out of their ass yeah and uh and you're I, like good we'll help you <laughs> so i was i, I, think I was for, like fair enough for people who don't know the, the turians um he's kind of a humanoid uh sort of lizard looking guy. what were the guys in deep space nine called the ones who ha- were addicted to the, the so yeah sort of like if you take those kind of rough jagged you know characteristics kind of bird like like they had like yeah bits Garrett, of angular the, faces and stuff the turians yeah 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 because i mean they've kind of got that jagged rough uh skin or whatever but yeah he's got kind of a yeah maybe a birdish like a, a lizard kind of face yeah he's definitely got scales so i mean that's that's very reptilian but his his kind of structure is kind of avian yeah you know? Yeah, but, that's it. But he, he stands up and, and walks like oh, a yeah. person. He's kind of yeah. barrel chested. He's humanoid. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, great voice. He's got this really smooth deep and subtle. Baritone. Yeah. yeah. Am I correct that he is a romance option in two? Yes. yes he is. And mm-hmm. Abigail, um, who joined us uh, talking about D and D on a cast a uh-huh. while back, Abigail from the beginning um, of two, uh, her character entered into a romantic relationship with Garrus. So I was actually, she was telling me about it back nice. then as she was playing and I was like, wow, I didn't, I hadn't played two yet and I didn't even know you could have a relationship with him. If my, if my shepherd wasn't a lesbian, it would be Garrus. Nice. Totally. Cause it's, or, uh, and I had a relationship with, um, crap. What is his name? The actual rep, the green reptilian guy in, uh, oh, right. Into uh, Thane. Thane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Thank you. Uh, really? Yeah. I really oh, that's liked awesome. Thane. I didn't know that was a choice. That's cool. Thane was... There are a lot of options. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, still, and, I need to get back and play Thane was like a warrior monk. Like, she was... He was awesome in the sack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, he was, He was too. a warrior monk in the sack. Yeah. Oh, he was great. And uh, that's... My shepherd was into that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, there's Garrus. And uh, Garrus is really cool. And then you come to our buddy and I don't know anybody who doesn't know or doesn't think this dude is cool and that is Rex. Yeah. Rex. I got my Rex on the That's grunt. Yeah, but But yeah, it's Rexish. Yes. It's the Rex clan. Absolutely. Uh for sure. It's what's the Krogans. Uh, yeah, yeah, my Krogan is what I was saying. Yes. I think and this is why I always have a Krogan on my on in my team whenever possible. I just feel like Krogan is as close as you get to a walking tank. Yeah, a Krogan is a force of nature. They are. They are. They're. They are destruction embodied, embodied in a bipedal. You know. You know how you know? they they try to portray the Klingons like that in Star Trek. Like the Klingons are these badasses. They yeah. just always the, are. The Krogans actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Klingons are pussies compared to. to yeah, they to got Krogans. nothing on a Krogan. Seriously, Krogans like I mean when you in 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 two when you 
get to see the Krogan homeworld. This isn't like Kronos where you show up and they're just a bunch of politically, you know, wrangling jackasses. You show up and it's what I imagined the Klingon homeworld to be like. You know, you show up and it is complete junk toast. It looks like a junkyard. It's just completely devastated. For two reasons. One, because they fight. Not like drinking beer and, you know, drinking ale and, and bumping chest. They fight. They kill each other and they destroy everything all the time. And secondly, they literally believe that if their planet was actually nice to live on, it would be bad for them. Like, it literally, they feel that... that it would take their spirit away. Screw pain sticks. They want to suffer where you almost can't live on the planet. Yeah. That's a good place to live because you have no choice but to think about battle because you don't really want to do anything else. Wow. And, and, and then they happen to be like about four times the size of a, a human. Yeah. Not, not height, but weight and muscle. And they're virtually indestructible. Yeah. And they have they, shields. They look kind of... Uh like they have kind of a toad face, yeah. I guess is the best way to, you know, brownish and humanoid again. And they, they have kind of a giant hunched back and, and they're, um, they have these like little narrow eyes and like a really wide mouth and yeah. uh, deep voices. And well, they have small eyes. I wouldn't say narrow. They're, they're kind of rounded, yeah. but they're, they're uh, very small in yeah. proportion to their head and these giant mouth. You're and, right. Not narrow. I, I meant like close together. Yeah. And, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. There, and there's, there's this, and when you knock them down and, and incapacitate them, they get back up and do a Krogan charge, which is almost unstoppable except for one thing in the game, and that's a lift. Yeah. You have to get them off their feet. If they are touching the ground, they will kill you. I'm just... And, and, and you combine the fact that all Krogans have both uh, a small amount of biotic power along with extreme combat Strength yeah. and endurance and... Yeah. And yeah. they're almost indestructible. And it's like, there's just nothing better you can have with you. They are the of Pam course, of they are. <laughs> Mass Effect. They are. No, I, I, we have to talk about the backstory with their whole race. And right. What the problem Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And which race was it that was responsible for? Well, the Solarians, the Solarians created the Genophage, which is a very infectious disease that only affects Krogans and it affects the reproductive system there. The Krogans are born one in a th or one in a thousand escape it, but the Krogans are largely born, stillborn. They are unable, they can conceive, but they cannot carry the term. Oh. Um, they're just all born, stillborn. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and so essentially they can't, it keeps the numbers small enough because, and, and this is, actually kind of true if there were because of the way they operate if there were enough of them they would run the show yeah period you would not be able to stop the Krogan. and that's what the solarians the uh, solarians was. created the the disease the turians administered it right and the council decided approved to do it. it yeah yeah now uh remind me which ones are the solarians the solarians are the the uh uh the ones who are very tall it looks like a somebody took a really runny ball of snot and dripped it down to the floor and held it by its head those are the solarians yeah okay yeah yeah with the big alien eyes right yeah okay right. that's what i thought so uh, welcome um, to morland's famous shop you know Right, Steve right. Buscemi. So that I is, think it's I was, awesome, yeah. isn't it? I was thinking in the in Mass Effect One, it's Tali who tells you this story, right? Well, it's Rex who tells you this. Oh, story. it's yeah. Rex who tells you. Oh, yeah. Rex okay. will tell you all about it, and uh, he's 
arguably pissed. Now, you don't really realize until later, uh, even in some of the first game, they don't really tell you how much. Rex was a leader of his people. He was a a major clan leader, and uh, and he was focusing. Rex is actually not as violent as many of the other Krogans. He loves <laughs> battle like all the Krogans. But you got the, the very... A uh, mild Krogan. Yeah, and he, he comes across as like, whoa, and then you realize that he's... He's, he's actually good. pretty he's reasonable. He's yeah. a laid-back dude. Yeah. He, he he's is pretty chill for a Krogan. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He is of super the chill. Race. He's, he's the one who decided that Krogans need to concentrate on breeding for a generation, not all this war crap. Which for so a Krogan they didn't is, die off. Yeah. yeah, so they did, which for a Krogan is way philosophical. Uh, they they just don't He's do that. He's the hippie that. Krogan. Yeah, he is. You know, Rex He's is what? the hippie Krogan. Yeah, <laughs> as hippie as Krogans get, Rex is there. Well, I remember in the first game, the the hardest thing for me getting to know Rex is that you don't know if you can trust him. You don't know if you can trust a Krogan because, you know, the loyalty is not easily earned, you know? I no. Mean, he's, he's, a, he's a mercenary. They're very suspicious. They are slow to trust. Yeah, very slow. And he will do whatever he thinks is best. You know, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit what you say. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that going on with Rex, and you're really not sure whether, like you said, whether you can trust him or not. And because of that, you... You, you want to like him, you know, and, you and he's do like very likable. Yeah. He really is as, as much of a hard ass and as much of a, 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 you know, bastard as he can be. And he's always down for, yeah, let's just kill them all. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's Rex's answer. But at, towards the end, the more you get to talk to him and the more opportunity you have to expand his dialogue options, he's actually pretty cool. And he's he for a Krogan. He's almost huggable. You know, I mean, he's just like this giant. Dude, who's down, and especially near the end at uh, at Vermeer, when when he finds out some really bad crap that that has happened to his people, and and what's going on, and the things that everything he's ever worked for in his life is achievable, but it's not going to happen because there's this worse stuff that's going down, and he winds up flipping out a little bit. That is the other big fork, yeah, for Mass Effect One. Which is which is you arrive at, at Vermeer and you you get through the process and during the process of of taking care of everything there you discover that there is a a genophage cure yeah and you can rescue that genophage cure but it's sort of at the risk of the galaxy right so you you have to you have to make the call you literally have to tell Rex, I'm sorry, we can't save your race. We're going to have to do the other stuff. And and the worst part of it is, is that part of you kind of knows that it might even be a good thing. Yeah. That's, that's why know? it's such a great component in this story. Yeah. Because, you know, there, you can understand why people would say the Krogans have to be kept contained or else they will destroy everyone in the galaxy. Right. And at the same time, it's horribly immoral. It's genocide. You know, to create and administer this disease so that a, a race will die off. It is literally genocide. And they found a cure. And when can that yeah. possibly be justified? You know, and now they found a cure and you're telling him this this loyal friend yeah. that has been through all kinds of crap with you that hey man, I'm sorry, everything that you've worked for for your entire life is in, in the you know, the miracle that you've wanted to happen and, and the reason you've been hauling around and looking for this stuff throughout the galaxy, it's here and and you we're can't gonna blow it up. And we're gonna blow it up. You can't have it. And if you 
if you stand by and let genocide happen, doesn't that make you just as guilty yeah. as the people who created the virus, who administered the virus? And your your race is now responsible every bit as much as, because it's your decision. You're the human who made the call. Uh, you're every bit as responsible as the Turians and the Solarians and the Krogan's eyes. And they're not wrong about that. So it's tough. And what's really cool is the game supplies this, this wonderful dynamic that you can work through that Rex hates that you make the decision. He hates that, that he has to do it. He, he will never forgive the people involved for it, but he's so cool with you if yeah. you're good enough with him if you if you play the game yeah. so that so that rex can because rex flips out you know right. and i think we can say this understandably and, understandably no, we can talk about this I and mean, this is he, I, he flips out it's widely known if you play the rex flips out and it, it, honestly i think i'm doing you more of a favor if you haven't played the game i'm doing you more of a this favor is now the one spoiler that i gave people because sean gave it to me yeah and i was you happy need, for it. you need to save rex because if you don't he flips out so bad that you have to kill him in order to stop yeah, him from flipping out. The way this game mechanic works is when you get to this scene in Vermeer Ver, where you confront Rex about this. Yeah. Uh, and it's forced. You can't avoid it. Um, if you have enough... Uh, Charm or intimidate. Full you, measure. Yeah. If, yeah. You, of if renegade your paragon, or paragon is all the way full or your renegade or is all the way full. Yeah. And in, in to order to do that, you have to find Rex's armor. Yeah. his fam- You have to do his That's family, his quest. clan a favor yeah. right? and, and complete their, their quest and have all of, all of the stuff all aligned right. You can talk him out of it and you, you can, can save him. You can choose to save Rex. And he doesn't like you and you'll never be the same with him. Right. But he'll be alive. Yeah. You know, and that's better. And you get to see him in the second game. The first right? time and I learned this the you. hard way, by I, I had Ashley on my team with me, and uh, Rex. When Rex found out, oh, it's horrible what happens. Yeah, he he um, loses control and just he's just starts so shooting full out of the water. Rage and yeah, and and Ashley is like, we've got to kill him. You know, and uh, I think the first time I played through, you know, Ashley ended up. Yeah, she does the same thing she always does. She steps in front of you and puts, you know, puts an assault rifle to him and kills him. And uh, now, what's funny is the the first time I saw that happen, it happened with my brother's playthrough, and we just sort of sat there in silence. And he's like, "Man, I really thought I was getting through to him. I'm, you know, I wonder what I I did wrong." And he went through and played through a couple times, and he couldn't save Rex. And finally, we hit the net because we're we were upset because Rex was a big part of our storyline. Yeah. Yeah, and we're like, "crap!" We started the game over. Yeah, oh right wow, there. So from the beginning, could, from yeah. the beginning. Wow, I just so I we went back to Rex. a previous save. Like, well, we didn't. They we, didn't have enough. We uh, didn't have enough yeah. to to make it. So he's like, "screw this." Yeah, you know, because Scott was about half and half. You know, uh, which is this is before the expansion packs and all that kind of stuff, and and he didn't realize why that was important. You know, because we've been you can get through the game fine, right? But you can't save Rex. With half Paragon, half Renegade. And oh, that's what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't save Rex Honestly, with I, that. that's why I didn't finish the first one. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was... I wanted to play two, and I, I didn't really have time then to go back and replay one, so I started two and loved it. Yeah. But I always have a hole in if, my heart that I didn't go back and finish. I would rate this like the first heart killer of, of a game I've ever played is Final Fantasy VII when you lose Ariel. Um. I, it was soul crushing right under that 
is if uh, because there's nothing you can do about Ariel and she's just so awesome and and wholesome that you you just feel bad. Right under that is losing Rex if you can't do anything about it. it Rex is so cool and it's so such BS that you lose him that it's just not worth playing the game. If they force you to do that, I would be very upset. So Again, they provide off, you. There are like the missions are. Sorry, Shauna. No, go ahead. The missions are divided into like these critical main plot missions and then side optional missions. Right. And Vermeer is one of the critical main plot ones, and you can put it off. Like yeah, uh, to the have, very last minute. Right, and you have a choice as to what you choose to do before actually choosing to go to Vermeer. So you have to go the eventually, two, but the two you know. pieces of advice that are good. And I think that anybody playing mass effect one should have regardless of whether they want any spoilers or not is number one, don't go to Vermeer Vermeer until you're ready to finish the game. Yeah, that is the end game, right? Yeah. There. I mean, cause you, you just need to know that if you go Literally, early, you're going to yeah. miss out on a lot of the game. And number two is you need either full one way or the other in order to save Rex. So do it. Yeah. You know, other than that, I mean, have fun. Do your thing. Rex is worth saving and uh, he's he's super cool. And of course, Rex begets Grunt, sort of. Yes. Well, Grunt becomes a member of Rex's clan. Eventually. Yeah, he he adopt. Yeah, he exactly. Eventually he adopts Grunt into his clan. So he becomes a full Krogan. And which I know is important we're, to we're getting to two, but I, I love in two how you they tell you, oh, hey. We have this uh, Krogan in a tank. Uh, we don't think you should open it. And of course, you know, I don't know about you, but the first thing I did is Krogan. head down there and say, <laughs> shut up and open the break yeah, open Krogan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I want me a Krogan. If he destroys the ship or something, we'll figure that out <laughs> You're later, You're like, yeah, man. yeah, I've seen Krogans before. It's fine. If he destroys the ship, it's worth it, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I mean, uh, yeah. Because my team was always Rex and Liara. Well, which, and we need to get to her. Liara is the, one of the last members of the the crew that uh, joins you. Liara is a Lasari or an Asari. And uh, the Asari are monogender. And they Although they all appear female. Yeah. Yes. And they refer to themselves as she. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're all female. I guess that's an interesting problem you would have. They don't really address in the Star Trek kind of episodes. (laughs) But uh, it it's pretty cool. She now she's a full biotic, in which case she cannot train really with any weapons or anything. But she can do every type of biotic attack or defense that is available in the game, and she well, is lethal. And she's I pretty mean, creative with it too. Yeah, yeah. lethal. I think uh, physically, the best way to describe it is if you took like a female Twilight, and instead of having those long two uh, twis, right? <laughs> Is that Leku. Oh, Leku. Okay. Twice um, two. You oh, flatten right, right. them out and wrap them around your head. Yeah, if you make them back. really short, like little, like have six short ones that look kind of like cornrows or whatever. Mm-hmm. They look like hair. Yeah. The way they have them. And then right they're out. super, yeah. super hot. And they're usually like blue or green skin. Well, they're all blue except for the ones that have been infected. Oh, right. At Pharos and, and those are green. Infected by the giant, you know, that plant. feed me Seymour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're all blue and and they're they're breathtaking. They have big big eyes and these these yeah, beautiful bone structures. Gorgeous, black gorgeous. This is where I get to admit my stupidity. Yeah, you know? now Liara, I didn't really. I she come with me sometimes, come with me not. And then there was this point where my brother was playing on his second playthrough so he could play through with Rex. And uh, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to Vermeer. I'm like, you're taking the wrong crew. He's like, no, I'm not. And he took uh, uh, Rex and 
uh, Liara, and he was an adept. And he never he went through Vermeer, which is arguably one of the the hardest run throughs of the game, and never touched a weapon once. Uh, you he went full biotic, and it was it was just destruction personified. It was unbelievable. Now, as Chuck is about to tell you the story, Chuck was not initially down with Liara. Yeah, I, I kind of screwed up. <laughs> I uh, she was really annoying at first, so I decided that I just was not gonna participate with her well the sorry live sorry the sorry live for a thousand years and she's only about 150 so she's not much better than a kid so she has this wonderment and this naivete that that none of the other crew have and yet at the same time knows that she's going to live many times your 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 uh lifespan and considers you kind of like an aunt. You know what she's like? Uh, she's like Bashir in the beginning of Deep Space Nine when he's like, I'm so lucky to be out here on the frontier where the real action happens. <sighs> you know, and he has good intentions, but he's really condescending. Actually, the worst part is she's like the worst of early and late Bashir. Yeah. Like late Bashir where you find out that he's genetically engineered and that he is better than everybody and he knows it. And the early one where he thought he was better than everybody but was trying to be uh you know to to be nice Second to everybody best and, and nice to everybody trying to trying to be you know nice to everybody and and yeah was a patronizing big, right exactly and so she's both of those she's uh, uh so so i literally I'm better than everybody and i know it <laughs> so i literally did not speak to her unless the game made me <laughs> <laughs> she true. essentially sat in that little cube the entire game, except for uh, Vermeer. Where they bring her out on the beach. they bring her out, and then I ignored her. <laughs> you know, wow. like, they let her off the ship. I didn't, you know? She literally <laughs> did not leave the ship. Who told and, you you uh, could leave your room closet? I'm telling you, yeah, I hate, I couldn't stand her. And then... Uh, and Then, then I, we did the playthrough, and I showed him what... After my brother showed me, showed him the, the adept stuff, Chuck's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> We're going to be doing some of that. So, so when I, you know, when I was playing a character that was not uh, had no biotics, I used to always bring uh, Rex and and Liara with me because it was sort of a a really screwed up combination. You had a full biotic and a half biotic, and you had the half biotic was also a tank, you know, and a a, a soldier. So it was kind of like he he fought as well as Ashley did, except also it, he you he had know, some biotic powers. And it was like killing six Ashleys or ten or twenty to to even make a dent in him. Yeah, you know? I mean anybody who's played the game knows enough that uh, that you can shoot Krogans forever. I mean you can shoot Krogans with the big gun on the uh, on the damn. Uh, uh, it's like in the the classic movies when you've got like a little tiny guy and then like the three hundred pound guy that's all muscle who's eight feet tall and they like hit him with a metal pipe and then he just looks at you and then changes his bone armor and shields <laughs> right, right. yeah exactly and regenerates and charges you when you finally think you've killed him yeah I'm, I'm sorry I and they can lay on the ground and and then get up ten minutes later and kill you again <laughs> you were you were talking about that giant gun on the Mako is that yeah you could actually fire the Mako gun at him and it won't kill him on yeah, the, the first machine shot. gun yeah. yeah the the cannon will but the machine gun you can you can lay into him for a second or two with the machine the gun the big ones yeah, not the, even the cannon will get him on the first shot a couple of shots but oh no you can zoom in and 
Oh no, yeah, I can he'll hit be him. nothing but a fireball. But I'm telling you, I mean, but as as Sean pointed out, there they have a, one a problem. Blinding but, weakness, only one. Yeah, <laughs> you can lift them. It's like the they're it's, done. It's like the exhaust chute on the, on the <laughs> Death Star. It's, it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, they really should design them a little better that way. Yeah. But yeah, you get them off their feet and and cr- yeah, if they're not touching the ground, I can't remember. There's a story bad, about yeah. somebody who's not not touching the ground, so you lift them and they're they're useless. But yeah, they're not touching the ground and they're they're done. Peter Pan? <laughs> no, it's something. No, actually, the, uh, and, and kind of the magic with this, and I hate to get so far into gameplay, but, you know, uh, since everybody covers this so well, but in the downloadable content um, where they had that mission, uh, this was one of the few really incredible uses for biotics in the game. Like, essentially, the way this works is you end up on this uh, on this moon, right, that's being mined. And you run around and do a few things. And at the end, you end up at the big lair, which is incredibly not like all the other lairs. Oh, it's this, uh, uh, something that's fall from the sky or dark. Or something yeah, I can't sky. remember the name. Yeah. It was, they're, they're, they put uh, fusion rockets on a, right, on a right, meteor right. or whatever or this asteroid, and they're oh. going to run it into a planet. So you have to like stop it. And when you get to the big end of it, there's this sad thing where the guy grabs this, this chick that works there. Well, this chick that works there, and he has a button for a whole bunch of hostages and stuff. Right. So you have to either like... You You have to choose... Well, theoretically, you have to choose whether you're going to kill him or release the hostages. Right. And if you choose kill him, he just pushes the button and kills all the hostages. He's not bluffing. It's instant. Yeah, Yeah, it's instant. If you choose to free the hostages... Which is normally what my character would yeah, does. Which is what I did. He gets away, generally speaking. So he he like turns around and like runs towards the door and then leaves and taunts you the whole way and you yeah, can't possibly catch too. him. And the only way and and again, Sean's brother Scott figured this out. Yeah, there's there's kind of a little hiccup in it. Now, if really? it's not designed to let you actually solve this, this is like the Kobayashi Maru. You're not supposed to be. You have to choose. Yeah. Now, if you have... Unless you're Scott. Yeah, unless you're Scott, because Scott doesn't believe in no-win scenarios. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Uh, so he, he figured out a way, if you catch it right, and you have full lift on your character, which is the maximum, I think is like 12 or 14 seconds per lift. Wow. You can, as soon as it releases, target in that final, him, run, in that final run, target him, lift him, and then while you're going around disarming the bombs, just every once in a while, peek your head around a corner, lift him again. So and literally he, keep him floating. Oh, he can't awesome. leave. He can't leave. So what happens at the end? You wind up turning him. He uh, wind up. It gives you the the same option that you would be able to do. You can kill him, or you can turn him over to Alliance Command. The game actually does handle it because essentially, you know, the hostages are sort of a separate thing. You right. find out they died, so you just find out that they don't die, and you get to capture him, and you get oh, to capture. That's him. Awesome. I I didn't believe him. The first time, I'm like, no, nah, dude, I've tried that like yeah. 10 times and I can't get it. He's like, choose to, to do the hostages and then lift him. And I tried it. And of course, he would, my lift wasn't powerful enough because it was only like two bars into the 10 bar yeah. deal. So you didn't have time to I didn't have time to anything. disarm the bombs and keep them lifted. But, and I watched him do it. So I, I know it works. So he just kept them lifted the whole time. So did he, he never hit the ground. Did Scott choose to have him turned over or did he kill him? 
No, it's Scott. He killed him. I'd kill him. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, you think I, I'm the ruthless yeah. one in my family? I don't think so. Have you met my brother? <laughs> I'd kill him. He's a douchebag. Yeah. You're you're the nice Krogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the Rex. Scott's the yeah. you know, Scott, Scott's big maneuver is I may die, but you're coming with me. You know, that's Scott's battle creed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want to get it a drawdown with Scott. That's not good. I think the last one uh, we need to get to is Tali, right? Oh, yeah. Tali is by far my favorite character of Mass Effect. Uh, I, I think some are cool, but Tali is by far my favorite. Uh, she's a Corian. Uh, the Corians are, you don't know what she looks like really for sure behind the helmet because they, they have to wear, they've been living in space, and we'll get to that in a second, that's so long that they have no immune system. So they have to wear a flight suit or a, a, a pressure suit. Yeah, it's like a bio isolation suit. Yeah, kind it's of kind of this uh, this glassed in mask that covers her face, and then it has like a big tube coming out of the front of it, and then she also has uh, a veil kind of that she yeah, wears over her head. Yeah, a hood, and her eyes yeah, glow. Her eyes are iridescent behind the mask, so you see a little bit, and you see a little bit of a, a lit up face, and you know she's human esque under there, but you don't really see her face for sure. I think, and she's got webbed feet. Uh, well, right? she has uh, <laughs> clawed toes and backwards shins. Right. So she looks very bird from the knee down. And uh, her knee's been the right way, but her, her calves are, are backwards. So she always looks like she's standing like that right. uh, with, her, with her calves out back. And uh, very uh, fine-boned, but uh, beautiful as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I am intoxicated with Holly. I love her to death. And she is very helpful. Very competent on a mechanical. Uh, oh, all yeah. the Corians are because they created these uh, basically Cylons called the Geth, and the Geth. And we talked about those a little bit in the the last cast. Uh, the Geth are uh, a race of machines that basically kicked them out of their own planet, and uh, they're Whoops. it's now the Geth planet. And they the Corians who created them are the no planet. Are they don't have a planet? No, and the Geth kind of swept the galaxy and were a scourge and had to be fought back and contained and everything. So it's not like anybody's inviting them to. Yeah, come the Corians are not really welcome places because they brought the Geth upon the galaxy, and the Geth generally stay behind "quote unquote" the veil, which is this uh, giant gas cloud, and uh, they do their Geth things, you know. So, but the Corians are not really work welcome, so they are reduced to living on a fleet of ships called the migrant fleet or the flotilla. And the flotilla is largely the what's left of the Geth population. And they send their young adults out uh, on a pilgrimage. Yeah, the Corians send their young adults out on a pilgrimage to uh, gain uh, supplies and extra ships and parts and information and all that kind of stuff out and bring it back to the flotilla so that they can get the raw materials they need to continue life. And it's it's a very difficult way to live, but it makes them very resourceful and very competent at a very early age. And that's where you meet Tali. Tali is uh, on her pilgrimage, and she is trying to track down more information that's usable on the Geth so that they can help defeat the Geth and fight them back. And uh, you meet her in the middle of this, and Tali is a badass. She can handle anything technical. She's really handy with a shotgun and uh, is pretty helpful. Her mannerisms are a lot softer. Yes, very much so. I mean, she's still awesome on the team and everything, but but when you interact with her, she's very polite and and just kind of uh, has a softer presence. She also has a, a wonderment. 
about the things she sees and uh, now she's very good about uh, you know racial relations. She understands where she fits in. She understands how everybody feels. But uh, technology and the way the universe interacts is very fascinating to her, and she will kind of uh, pontificate upon some of that. But she has a very, very, and which is the thing that draws me to her, she has a very fierce, unbreakable sense of loyalty uh, to Shepard, your character. Right. Uh, because you help her out, and the way her people react is, you help me, I help you, and that's how it is. They don't go back on a promise. They don't go back. Once they give their word, they carry it through till either they're dead or you don't need them anymore, um, which if they've given their word to do that, that's what happens. There is no other question for it, which endeared me to her immediately. I identify with her character. The way she told her story... Um it kind of reminded me of the story of the Hebrew people, the way they were kind of outcasts mm-hmm. like over and over and just kept getting pushed out and ended up being these kind of perpetual wanderers, you know? Um, and that, that kind of that deep sadness that kind of resonates and, and yet this ability to get great joy in things and that, that family uh, closeness and everything. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Like there's a, more of a spiritual side to Tali's people than you get when you talk about like the Krogans or the Turians. Or- they have a very strong sense of community because they all live on these separate ships. They all have these separate little kind of microchasms as far as how their communities work and everything. And they don't have surnames. They have ship names. So, uh, oh, that's, Ta- yeah, and, that's and this awesome. is, it is, first of all, Tali is my favorite character in Mass Effect, but the, the storyline that is my favorite is the story of the Quarians. And, uh, you, in two, we talk a little bit about this before, but you go back to meet Tali's people because she has a family crisis and they wind up disowning Tali. And because captains mean a lot more to them than just, a person you serve under a captain is a leader of your community and somebody who uh, they give a great deal of weight and respect to in the uh, Korean society. It's like the head of your tribe. Yeah. It's basically that's it. And because uh, you are her captain and have been for a while and the Koreans respect you in the first place, you go back with, with Tali to speak for her, which means the world's to her because she's, you know, yeah, she can't without she you. Can't she can't without you. And she will wind up being a uh, sacrifice or, or basically have to fall on her sword for her family's dishonor. And you go back and handle business and uh, wind up, uh, She instead of the uh, her old ship name, she becomes Tali Vaz Normandy. Uh, Tali Zora Vaz Normandy. And she is, ba- you basically wind up in the eyes of the Korean community adopting Tali. That is as ah. they adopt you. That's as one they, of the yeah, most exactly. And all your other world. people. Exactly. And your you, crew. You become part of Korean society. And it is moving. It is one of yeah. the best uh I, I guess um you realize that you the society and the and these people actually they're not kidding when they say that this means a lot to them and that they do accept this. They some of them may not like you, but you are now family. You know, no matter what happens, I have always identified, my family has always identified with that and always kind of understood that, you know, you may not have been born to us, but you're part of us now. So, you know, that it's like the mob. You don't get back out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would also add that, you know, 
kind of looking at Mass Effect overall, there are these really, really moving stories. Like when Tali changes her name to add Normandy to to be part of her identity, it just makes you want to cry. And the whole thing with Rex. And, you know, we didn't really mention uh, a lot of the side missions, but all of these side missions that enable you to you know, increase your uh, your strength as a renegade or as a paragon. They enable you to meet other people in the universe and they kind of build on themselves too. If you do one side mission, a lot of times it'll lead to another. And a lot of them have really moving storylines as well. Like, um, I'll just talk about one. Um, and Chuck, you can help me out. There was the, because I know you remember better. There was the guy who, um, I think his wife was killed in combat and they ask you to go find, um, is it find her remains or find something that belonged to her so that they can give her a proper service? Yeah, his wife, and I can't remember the dude's name, which is bad because you don't really hear it all. It was lot. early on. Yeah, it was in the very first one. Uh, his wife was killed on Eden Prime. Uh, his wife the first was mission. right mm-hmm. part of uh, Ashley's unit, uh, the 212, I think. And uh, it's she died there with Ash or you know with most of Ashley's unit and uh because the geth were using all these kind of new super weapons from Saren and all that kind of thing her body was being held for testing so that they could understand how the geth attacked people and they weren't returning her to her family uh for burial and and remain or, you know her remains were not uh being returned so uh you know the dude's waiting outside the embassy and gets to talk to you and Ashley if she's there and you have the choice to either, you know, ignore it, um, tell him tough beans, or uh, go fix it. And or you see, go yeah, find. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, you see what you can do. And basically, there's this dude who has the power to release her body, but he's part of this research team that is is fascinated by the weapons that the Geth used on her and are using her body for experiments to see how the Geth weapons reacted to human physiology. And, uh, in every case, and I've varied many, many of the missions, but there's a couple that I just don't care. I'll throttle the guy within an inch of his life uh, to go and release this chick's body back to her husband and her family. For what it's worth, I convinced him to. Same thing. I convinced him to in mine, too. Yeah, I threatened him within an inch of his life. <laughs> I just didn't care. And almost every... I've I've convinced him to a couple times, but I like I For like me, there's something, and, I, and I'm not at all judging but for me there's something really satisfying about when you convince him and you see you see them actually change their mind and think about it and go man i like when he says i didn't realize you know i I just wanted to help people this way and i didn't realize what i was doing to this guy and when you go back to him and he's kind of like i really appreciate it i I understand what they were trying to do because it feels like you You made a longer term difference serviceman serviceman batia Something like that, yeah. That might have been her name. Anyway. But it, it feels like remember. the difference that you made is going to be more lasting when he changes his own mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, and I like screwing over the council members independently. Yeah. Like, I got to like go with you on that. Council member pa- Palin, uh, the Turian, and uh, uh, the chick who's in um, the like officer's club, who's, who's like her sister, is like this nefarious uh, drug runner, and she's trying to cover it up. I expose it. And, oh, yeah. I mean, just anything I can to, to screw him over. Well, you can see already, I mean, listening, uh, I hope how much depth there is to this story. I mean, we're not even scratching the surface of what's available in the first game. Yeah. 
And it's probably time that we shift a little bit to the second game. And I, I think one of the things that's uh, it's probably worth pointing out that the end game essentially in the first game is is that uh, you know when when the Reapers come through and uh, and and there's no reason to go into every detail. You can read them online if you want. But uh, when the Reapers arrive and you have your battle at the end, regardless of what you choose in terms of the council or those other major decisions. Uh, your victory over the Reapers is definitely temporary. All you've done is you've prevented them from opening the you've, easy route to yeah. come through. You've bought yourself some time. But they can still come the long route, which is not that long. And not for them, anyway. No, exactly. And and so you know it's coming. And in uh, in Mass Effect 2, they pick up the story. And, and I think one thing that's really uh, exciting to me about Mass Effect 2, just framing it a little, is that... A lot of the additional kind of gameplay that they built into two focuses on and enhances the strengths of the first one. Like we just spent all this time talking about how great it is having these little these missions, small missions you did you, you had with these characters and the involvement. But then again, like like you know we talk about Tali and your and how you work with her. But in two is where you have this uh, this this loyalty wonderful mission. experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and they have these things called loyalty. There are a lot more characters in two, and we'll get into that. I know, and uh, and Sean, you'll do a way better job of that than I do. But it it seems like you know you need these characters' loyalty as you find out in the end game, and to earn it, you do these special missions with them, which you earn over time among doing all the other fun things there are to do in the universe. And they turn out to be these very revealing kind of intimate encounters. I mean, they're they're bloody and. You know, they're combat missions and stuff, but you learn really important things about their character and, and you make decisions about, you know, that's why they're the loyalty missions. And I always wondered if that was based kind of like Rex's armor in the first one. Well, there's, you know, like in the first one, you have like story decisions like uh, the Rachni, right? That are these giant, you know, alien spider looking things or cockroach looking things that that uh, once plagued the galaxy much like the Geth do, and you have the choice. You basically hold your their future in your hand. And uh, you've been fighting with them, and you've been having some difficulties and everything like that, and you finally get to this one Rachni being who can can change the way the Rachni are and explains to you why you've been having problems with them recently and says, look, you know, their big thing, they're, there's these horribly ugly-looking creatures and everything, but they have a beautiful song that they communicate with. And they're like, look, my children can't hear my song. You have the queen in your hand, basically. Uh, you can kill her or let her go. And the, you know, I always choose because she's like, she comes straight up on us, look, you know, this is, it's been a problem. I'm, I'm trying to control them. I will handle the rest of my children. You know, I will make sure that this isn't a problem for you, but please don't, don't kill us all. You, you must let us live. We're, we're almost gone, you know, and I always choose to let her go. And, and she does true to her word and all that kind of stuff. And you see a little bit about it in, in the second one as well, where she comes back and says, look, you may not remember me, but I remember you. And I remember the choice that you let us live. And, and if you ever need to call upon us, we will be there for you, which well, they're hinting in the third game. That's a good argument for why people should play the first one, because the, the second one, it bridges over from the first one in many ways where you keep getting these uh 
letters or messages or visits from people where they're referring to things from the first game. And a lot of them are thanking you for things. And it feels so wonderful because you remember like returning that guy's wife's body. And he comes back and in the second game and just says, you know, I want to thank you so much. And our lives have been really improved because of you. And it's just an awesome part of the game that you would not really feel to its full extent. And they say in three, a lot of these large decisions like letting the Rachni go or destroying them or something like that will come into play later. You know, they will, those choices will affect one way or the game or one way or the other, the outcome of the original or the, uh, the overall story arc. Uh, now I always thought the, the Rachni story was beautiful, uh, even though the Rachni are not. They're scary, but yeah, they're super scary, but, but, uh, you know, when she's like, I, I wish to sing to my children of your bravery and your courage and your, you know, the way that they could live instead of the way that they have been treated and told is the only way, you know, you've proven that, you know, not all beings in the galaxy are like that. And I wish to teach my children that. And you realize that their children are hundreds of billions of Rachni. Yeah. It works out for you. Yeah. It's, that's a good, that's a good, you know, it's nice when the right thing, thing also aligns with yeah. working out for you. Yeah. So there's that. But what they also have is like these loyalty missions where you understand as you go through Mass Effect, you realize that the ships and the guns and the armies and the satellites and, and all the rest of these these wonderful technology and all that kind of stuff means almost nothing if you don't have the interpersonal relationships and the loyalty of those around you to effectively handle situations. And it... Which is great because that's how I live life anyway. It's not really, you know, I have a whole bunch of loyalty, you know, issues and, and rules and regulations in my life that I use anyway. And this game kind of illustrates all those. Look, you know, whatever else happens, I'm down with this person. And I'm going to prove that by helping them out so that they can they can get on with their life and get their head right. Because we're about to go into a world of crap. And, uh, and they, they're, they're leading up to it in the entire second game. Uh, you know, you meet all these new characters and some old characters, and, and you keep saying, look, this is going to go down, and it's going to be bad. So if you got stuff and business to handle, I will help you get your, your stuff right and all your, your troubles and all that kind of stuff. We're going to fix it before we go because I'm not sure if I can bring you back from this. I, I think what I like most about the loyalty missions and this is what i was going to say a while back was that they they remind me kind of 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 like those good rolling stone articles you know where you you may not care about the person at all or know anything about them or have anything but but you always come away with something and the one that like the one that there's some that don't surprise you right right but the one like i, I forget the solarian's name help me out the, uh, the scientist. Doctor, yeah. What's his name? Starts with an M. It's not Morland. It's not more. Oh, crap. Morden. Morden. Morden, yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I love that he sings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, if you, if you didn't see that. Modern you, Major Solarian. You need to go back and do that. That's worth it. But, uh, but like, he was the one, I think, that was the most shocking. You yeah. know, because uh, you expect because the Solarians are largely kind of cold of calculating and they're kind of crap bags. The only cool Solarian you meet in the first game is the guy at Vermeer who, oh, yeah, who does cool. the whole the, the line speech. Yeah. yeah. Who's like, look, we are screwed. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to hold the line. 
because that's what we got to do to allow these guys here because we can't finish this off, but they can. So yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to hold it until they can finish it off, and we're all going to die because of it. But you know what? That's what we're here to do, so that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And he was cool. And then at that point, you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of like Solarians. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but the thing is, and and there's not enough time to, I mean, to go into all the detail. Thankfully, we've got another podcast on this at least. But it seems like, um, you know, Morton, from the beginning, you, you, you know, he was involved in the original creation of the, of the Genophage. Genophage. Yeah. And it weighs heavily on his soul too. Yeah. And, but you don't get that early on. You see him as this kind of cold calculating sort of dick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't really and see him look, beyond that for a while. And I didn't even look forward to doing the, the mission with him. I knew I needed to because yeah. I needed his loyalty. Uh, but you know, it's funny. I went out, I know, I know how to say this. I went out on these missions thinking I was going to earn their loyalty from to me. And what ended up happening is, is that they earned Your loyalty, loyalty to them. Yeah. yeah. That's what ended up happening. That's awesome. You know, because like with him, I just, I thought he was a dick and in the worst way. And then when you, when you, uh, when you actually do the mission with him and you find out that you realize the way, the reason he, sorry to interrupt. No, the, go ahead. The reason you realize that he is the way he is is because he's had to make peace with his decisions. And he's had to figure out that if he ever got the chance, this is what he'd do about it afterwards. And when he gets that chance, he's already decided long ago what he would do. He knew what would happen. And, and if he ever got the shot to go back, this is what would happen. And he has had to make peace for that. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to function. Now, the fact that he thinks very quickly and responds very differently than you might expect puts you off. But once you realize that he's been, he's yeah. figured this out a long time ago, and this is how he has to I disagree do it. with him. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but I understand him. And I, you know, I feel like after the mission, I understand him and I'm okay with him. Yeah. He ain't a great guy. He made some bad decisions. And but, would again. And would again. But I understand why he made them and that he has to live with that. I'm glad to hear that because where I left off in um, Aspect 2, I haven't yet done his loyalty mission. And I felt the same way as you did, Chuck. I, yeah. I, you know, I had heard from you guys that he turns out better than you think, but I still hadn't really seen that. And I think uh, real quick, also, his mannerisms can be a little bit off-putting, but I think those are cultural differences. I mean, he is, some. you know... Well, there, he's very Solarian. There yeah, are some cool yeah. Solarian. Yeah. The coolest guy you ever met is the the guy in Vermeer. He's the bad, the, yeah. the baddest ass Solarian ever. You know, and Morland makes or Morden makes fun of him. You know, oh, did he do his hold the line speech? He's like, you shut up about him. Yeah, I want to you know? slap him when he. You know that man, that that dude saved our bacon. You're here because of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We all have this shot because of him. You shut up. You know, uh, but you, and of course. I would have kicked Morden off the ship at that point <laughs> had he badmouthed that dude because I'm like he was worth ten of you. Shut up, you know. But would be bad. Yeah, it would be bad. But you know, I'd have, I'd have if it'll let me do that, I'd have done it. Uh, same thing with 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 Thane. You know. Yeah, Thane seems real. I know this he's is bad, ba but he seems like a cold fish at first, uh, and he you don't realize that how deep Thane really is. And how he's, you know, his uh, beliefs and everything have forced him to, and his occupation forced him well, to be yeah. this way. 
He is an assassin yeah. for for those of you clean, who, methodical, and thorough. <laughs> yeah, and he's good at it. He's very good at it. He's more, you know, they they tend to like glamorize uh, assassins in in especially in video games, you know, and and for him, I, I think they really don't. He's crappy. I mean, everything about him is is unattractive. He's just a he's a he's he he's well, like Sean said, he's very effective. And to be effective as an assassin, you plan very very well. You do your job with a minimum of fuss, and you disappear. And that's what he is really really good at. You know? I and you love... can't really be a thoughtful good person and get that done that well. Yeah, and I yeah. I love that he's a tortured soul. Yeah, I love it. It, uh, I fell for it. If I was a chick, I, it would be very bad, you know, because I would fall for that, like, oh. tortured, wounded soul thing every time. I get that. Don't get none on your feelings. <laughs> Until I found out what his backstory was and yeah. why he was doing what he did. Again. See, I don't think I've gotten to that part because he's one of the later ones. Yeah, that was another one where I didn't, I was not looking forward to the mission. And then when I did it, I was like, wow. wow that dude is pretty cool yeah to he's hold all it together right. like the fact that, that you know. that's it they explain him it's like yeah he's messed up and yeah you don't want to get none on you too much but damn i mean if they put me in that place i would I not hold like, together near as well no i wouldn't have made it as near as <laughs> you just have respect for him you're like this guy's doing his best and i think he's doing a pretty damn good job i wish he was a better person i better be careful but yeah but i don't think he could have done any better you know yeah you know what I found most uh, difficult and amazing and, and everything about the beginning of two is one of the first things you have to do is decide. Uh, one of the first people you meet is Jacob. Right. And you have to decide whether you trust Jacob or not after only talking to him for like five minutes. Yeah. And it is so difficult. And I remember feeling like sitting there with the dialogue wheel open and just you're waiting like, and thinking, you know, but you work for Cerberus and I really hate yeah, Cerberus. And, and I was, I was trying to decide whether I needed to make a logical choice or an intuitive choice. And I ended up making an intuitive choice. I, I looked at him and I looked at his face and I looked at the way he, his expressions were, and I listened to his voice and it's voiced by a real person, you know, and that's why I think the voice acting is so important and I decided to trust him based on, you know, what I thought what were. You, you act know, like Sam Jackson, but you look like Wayne Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so, Damn. Uh, but I, I mean, perfect. I, I had to make a very kind of human, very possibly flawed choice with intuition because I didn't have enough logical things to go on, you know, and I'm really glad that I, I made that choice. You know, the, but it's awesome that a game could put you in a situation where you feel that kind of tension as, as though it really affects your life. The irony there is that I went with him. Well, first of all, I, I went along with him because I thought this is bad. I'm Shepard, Biatch. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. This looks like the most interesting way forward. And if you turn out to be bad, I'll just kill I'll you. I'll pop you out an airlock. You know, <laughs> yeah. let's let's go. And then uh, the the irony is is that I think he might be the least interesting character in Mass Effect too. Honestly, I think he is. I think he is. Which is saying something. Maybe after you, yeah, after you. Because I actually it. don't like him even after his loyalty mission. I don't either. Which is I weird. Either. I everybody else I like was shocked about, and with him I was kind of like, huh. It was very. I was enlightened and surprised on everybody except him, and uh, oh god, what's the what's the Cloak and Dagger chick's name. Oh. The one in the hood who's the information expert. 
I don't remember her name. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. That's bad. Yeah. Anyway, she was not as interesting. She's cool, sexy, not as interesting. Uh, the one I was almost disappointed in, or you know what? I wasn't disappointed. You know, what? I think the way to say this is that some of them were, most of them were so incredible. Yeah. That, that the ones that were not incredible stood out. The one that, that I thought was one of the best written, but I didn't wind up liking her character afterwards was Jack. Oh, yeah. Right. Jack. Jack I, is a cool character. Jack is an awesome, cool character. I think she's she's dynamic and wounded and, uh, you know, tortured and, and naive and, and cool at the same time. So wounded that it's scary what she can do. Yeah. Well, um, here's the deal. Unstable is a yeah. good word yeah. for her. You know, she is like the, she's not abiotic. She's the, the biotic. biotic. She makes Liara look like a cheap party favor. Yeah. And Liara can do massive. Yeah. Massive so damage. Yeah. Jack is the most powerful character in the game. Yeah. Probably. As biotic. She's go, like a yeah. genetic prodigy. She's the most yeah. dangerous yeah. person you could be around in the whole universe. I think, yeah. you know, and yet, and she's unstable on top of that. Because of how she got that way, and she was naturally talented, and they boosted her, and, 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 and. They messed her up. Her. Physically, they messed her up. Mentally, so, and then know, they. Let her psychologically, physically. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, I then, don't know about wet, but yeah. Yeah, then. She got she, loose. Yeah, she got loose. And I don't like Jack. Yeah. But she's a great character. Yeah. Great character. I don't happen to like her. I love the dangerous, tattooed, bald you know, not sure if she's going to like make out with you or, or kill you thing, but she's a little too unstable and angry, even for me. She worried me from the first moment because I knew I, I was playing a, an, an adept by then. So I was aware. <laughs> and she uh, out adepts you as everybody. Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, everybody. everybody. And I'm like, I this is this person. You do not trust this person. You are not going to end well. <laughs> she's really dangerous and she's really pissed off. She acts like a 13 year old girl because that's kind of where her development was, was halted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for good reason, which you find out in her. Way vision. too much angst for that much power. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, I mean, I could not have completed the end game without her. Yeah. There, I picked, I picked her, and we'll get into this later, I know, but I picked her for a very specific position, and I would not have made it without her. Um, yeah. You know? And if, yeah. if, you, you, if, if she is loyal to your loyal to each other and she's on your team at the end and you position her correctly. She is a key part of saving your crew. Yeah. Or a you, lot of your, crew, you will not be able to do it without her or the, you know, the matriarch, but we'll get into her later. But there, Jack is, is extremely powerful, extremely dangerous and something you, you don't look at her as a member of your crew. You look at her as a very dangerous, dangerous adolescent child. If I remember uh, she, well, I know she gives you a lot more attitude than any of the other characters right from the beginning. Right. You know, like you haven't seen that before in Mass Effect where she's just like, yeah, she whatever. She doesn't give a crap know? about you. But if, Anybody. Doesn't she yeah. use more language? I'm trying to remember. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. She yeah. cusses her, her yeah, tattooed that, that's ass off. Yeah, because that's something brought to. in. Yeah. What are you going to yeah. do to her? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's not afraid of dying and she ain't afraid of you. You know. <laughs> if you could hurt her, that wouldn't. she wouldn't be afraid of that either. Yeah. You know, so you're just like, whoa. Yeah, and she not is damaged. Fear is not good. Yeah, she is damaged in a way that you can't fix. I mean, you you kind of do. She she kind of if you do it right, she can come to terms with some of her past, but she ain't ever right. And and it's that they do a good job of explaining and making you understand that you can't fix the things that are wrong with Jack. 
Not all of them. You can make her an effective functioning person, but you can't fix her. So it's it's very well done in that way. God, I hate to do this, but we're out of time again. Yeah. We're going to have to pause this again and pick it up <laughs> pick next up, week. Yeah, no, next week, perfect. more Mass Effect we're, 2. We're, <laughs> we're firmly, you know, we've got our foot planted firmly into Mass Effect 2. We have our boot deep in the ass of Mass <laughs> Effect. <laughs> And wow, Mass Effect 2 is like the difference between Portal and Portal 2. You know? Wow. There's a lot of story in Mass Effect 2. Uh, and, and we haven't even got to what they did to the Mako yet. Um, so, <laughs> or the Normandy. Or the Normandy. <laughs> or you. Mako is sir not appearing in this game. You did know? for the Mako and for the Normandy. Yeah. Uh, debatable. Normandy, <laughs> yes. Mako, not so much. But yeah. um, I hate the flying Mako. So um, I love the flying Mako. It's cool. It's, it's like the hover tank. It's, like, it's awesome. Oh, my Mako back. But, uh, okay, so we've got to wrap up. Audrey, got anything to add here at the end? Um, I am caught off guard. Uh, cut, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> Out of time. Yeah, no, sorry. John? Uh, thank you to uh, everybody who has called in. I know we didn't uh, play a lot of good because we just had so much Mass Effect to do, but uh, I, I realize people called in, and thank you for that. Uh, also, thank you to the anonymous uh, secret uh, meetup crew who has supplied some some cool stuff for the meetup, and uh, uh, more about that for the meetup later. Uh, really cool, and thank you guys. Seriously, uh, some really great stuff. Yeah, uh, one quick ending thing here to just say that the meetup is on. Uh, there are significantly more people than last year booked. Uh, more than half the hotel is booked full of our, our yes. people. Um, we have a lot of really fun new stuff going on. If I, I'm guessing that most people have either made their decision to come or not already. If you're, if you're coming, uh, I am super excited about this year. If you're not coming, we're going to do our best to try to get a lot of it out, uh, streaming and that sort of thing so that you can participate as much as possible. We're going to do our best. Um, and of course, uh, we'll have some material afterward where you can kind of see what happened. I'm really excited about it. It's, it looks like it's going to be a super fun year. A lot of new people coming, uh, a lot of new people to meet and, and, uh, it's exciting to see. Yes, it is. It really is. So, uh, I am really looking forward to it too. We will uh, see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, form moderators Badger Spoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. We're always re-watching or group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.